Welcome to the Deep Dive, the Season 2 finale of the Amazon original series, The Boys. My name's Toby Shaver. I'm here again with my brother, Dave. What's up, Shavy D? Excited to be here, Tobe. How are you doing tonight? Doing awesome, man. So this season wrapped up in a big, big way. So we're going to get into all of it, and there's a ton of stuff to break down. But what's your initial reaction to the episode here? I really loved it. I uh, um, there was very. I have uh, all the stuff that I wanted tied up. I felt like got tied up pretty well, and um, and then it left me pr- pretty excited about a you know potential season three. And uh, um, so yeah, it was it was. I was very pleased, and uh, I'm excited to talk about it. So, um, and I I was as well, I mean, just so many great, you know, as you say, things wrapped up, but then also things wrapped up that, you know, I wasn't even expecting to be wrapped up and a lot of twists and turns and, and just some amazing performances, you know, as kind of the just emotional level of these stories has built over the season, you know, Homelander, uh, Anthony Starr, just knocking it out of the park. Um, you know, a big standout for me in this one, but, uh, let's go right to the beginning. So as this one starts out, um, we see this awesome school safety video that is basically training, you know, elementary school kids what to do in the event of a supervillain attack. And, you know, it's like funny, but like really kind of sad too, because it's like, it's not really that much different than, you know, what the kids have right now. I mean, my daughter goes through drills, you know, for for lockdown and, you know, school shooting drills and stuff like that. And, you know, it's funny the way they took it with this one with Homelander and then like the fire chief or whatever. Um, but, you know, funny in a sad way. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean... uh I don't, I have such mixed emotions about that. Like, you know, obviously I'm super happy that our boys, you know, like mine and your son, uh, sons, you know, didn't have to deal with that stuff in their day. And it's sad that Lucy has to, um, but the, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know how, how much I think that schools should even do that. Like, the one thing that they touched on in this episode that I really enjoyed is mm-hmm. I absolutely disagree with arming teachers. So the fact that they included the, you know, teacher taking the gun out of the lockbox and loading it and all that stuff, it's just so, it's the antithesis of what I think it should be expected of a teacher. So like... Well, totally. And I think that that is the, the general opinion of sane people i mean obviously there's people who you know probably think otherwise but yeah i think that video very very much poked fun at it you know yeah i i don't uh yeah it was uh it's interesting i mean for sure they've they've done a pretty good job of uh you know hitting close to the mark on things like that like we talked about last week with the radicalizing of the of the young man and and everything and then to start that one start this one with uh with the you know active shooter prep it's uh yeah 
It's, well, and the thing too, I stuff. I think it also kind of fills in the the gaps a little bit, like just to make it very clear that Vought has taken, you know, this opportunity, you know, these these supervillain, you know, these terrorists and, and whatnot. I mean, they've really capitalized on that and are just rolling it out. I mean, Stan Edgar says at one point basically that, you know when everything fell apart there was nothing they could do to to kind of change what had happened or deny what they had done they just had to basically lean into it and you know push to make compound v kind of a big deal so after even after this video kind of with this episode it it leads to mallory and and congresswoman newman meeting with the secretary of defense you know trying to shut down you know they're lobbying to to get action taken against Vought, um you know and compound v and everything but now with the attacks during the hearings with the heads exploding and stuff they've been able to push everything forward so now it's been authorized to be used by law enforcement and first responders and whatnot right <clears throat> and that's one of the things that i thought was uh you know, interesting in its, you know, parallel to the real world because it's so, uh, you know, it's like the Ben Franklin quote about, you know, I'll have to paraphrase, but, you know, something about um, those that would sacrifice liberty for security to deserve neither or neither. Right. But uh, the, um, and, and I couldn't agree with that more. Like, I don't, You know, I mean, uh, that we uh, since you know since two thousand and one, you know, we have uh, allowed the government ridiculous amounts of power and intrusion into our lives under the guise of them protecting us. And you know, once you sacrifice your freedoms, you're not getting them back. And we see that all the time in the real world. And, you know, I think they, they certainly did a pretty good job of, you know, conveying that, um, in those, in the, both the school scene and the, like you said, the, um, meeting with the government officials. So, so I yeah, guess kind of we're to understand that their plan is that they're going to just juice up cops, you know, as a response to, to supervillains and whatnot, if they're saying it's going to be available for law enforcement and right, well, what know, I'm saying I mean, is then like the cat's out of the bag, right? But where I see that as the parallel is like the the ridiculous nature of having the the militarized police that we have. I mean, it's it's gross the idea of you know the the firepower that our police possess is ridiculous. And should not be allowed to exist, but yet under the guise of, you know, protecting us from terrorists or the potential of, you know, you know, deranged shooters or this, that, and the other, we, you know, uh, we have militarized vehicles. We have, you know, um, I mean, and I'm not even talking about like, you know, I understand the idea of the National Guard having some firepower, but not even SWAT should have what SWAT has, let alone, you know, beat cops, basically, you know, 
that's why so many so many incidents go so wrong so often in real life is because you know cops are coming to the scene in a uh, bulletproof vests you know with shotguns and long guns in their vehicles sidearms probably one in the sock uh you know some sort of non-lethal force or less lethal force because that's a that's a falsehood that a taser can't kill you and so on and so forth so like there's no way that you know military surplus should have been and it wasn't even purchased by it was given to these you know local police and it's you know so the idea of you know the parallel in this show of of them being juiced up with compound v you know is you know that's where i see the 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 link to to our world and um yeah it's it's they did a good job of conveying that or at least in my mind yeah i liked uh mallory in this scene you know she kind of had like her go-to like she was all set to blackmail the dude and he's he just shuts it down it's like go ahead you know (laughs) reveal the affair or whatever you know i'll go work at fox news and be done with all this shit you know no yeah yeah he's a i love that i i don't know the that actor's name but he's uh he just always you know he's kind of like my he's like a brian dennehy you know, God rest yeah. his soul. That was, uh, you know, he's just this great character actor that just, I'm always, I always just buy him 100%. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Um, so, you know, we see we see a little uh, scene of Becca escaping the compound. And, I don't know, I mean, she definitely looked like she, like it was a pretty big challenge for her, but at the same time, you know, she was able to get out of there. So I think they alluded to her having some training as well. Cause didn't they meet in the military? Well, when it, I'll tell you what, man, when that scene, when she like, you know, backs up to the tree and pulls out the knife, I'm, I was like, Oh God, please. Because they didn't, they didn't allude to that at all in the series yet. But then later on in this episode, She's talking about how, you know, she was a better shot at the gun range at Fort Bragg. So, yeah, it basically says that she was, you know, a paramilitary trained person as well, which I'm very glad that they did follow it up in a future scene, because I I, 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 at that point early, you know, they they hadn't said it. So when when she's alluding, you know, all these people, I was like, come on, are you kidding me? That's it it was I was really put off by that but then again they cleaned it up by by that later scene with you know her and billy but uh but the problem is is like i talked about last episode then it just reinforced you know if she was paramilitary trained then then i i stand you know even more so i stand by my comment about last week where once homelander comes back on the scene and she no longer is you know she knows for sure that she's not off the grid anymore as far as he's concerned obviously she had the skills to run with her son and she should have so like yeah but as i said when we discussed this before though it's like it's a different thing like she wouldn't she wouldn't even go with butcher because she was concerned that ryan wouldn't be able to do it it's one thing for her 
you know, knowing that she's military trained for her to be able to do that on her own, especially as highly motivated as she is at that point. But it's a whole other thing for her to put her son at risk, you know, under, I don't know. It's like, it seems like a coin toss. I just didn't think it was like something that, that I would think she would ever, you know, try to do that. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I understood your explanation last week. I just, I still stand by my, my belief that that's, this is the dude that raped you. First of all, I mean, just boom, trump card right there, go no further. But above and beyond that, you're living in fear. I mean, you're basically now, yes, you're, you have a nice little home that you're raising your kid in, but at any minute he can come back, which he did. And then, you know, last episode he came back with Stormfront, which made it even worse. So, like, you know, I would rather, you know, be a little unsure, but on my own terms, than be a prisoner in my own home. And especially, you know, a prisoner to the dude that raped me. So, you know, I, I get your point. And again, I guess, you know, we can call it a coin toss or whatever, but I, uh, you know, again, to, to come back to specifically this episode, I'm certainly glad that they cleaned up later on that she had had some training because if she would have just eluded all of those uh you know vought uh you know military squad just because she was motivated to you know find billy and get her son back i i would have been i i wouldn't have been able to abide that so yeah so it was well and i would i would say like you also have to allow for the fact that uh you know, she's been there for, what, 10 years at this point? You know, that that security squad has probably gone somewhat complacent. You know, it's probably a lot easier to get out of there now than it would have been, you know, 10 years ago. Oh, certainly, yeah. No, I, I again, I, they've, you know... We're talking about specific, so I'm just being specific. But yeah, I, I mean, it's not. It wasn't enough to shake me out of, you know, um, investment in the episode or in the in the season. I just, you know, it was. I mean, you know, before she comes into the light, I I thought it was the eagle. E, you know, e, oh, oh, eagle e, the archer. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we we didn't get to see him. No. This time around, which sucked, but uh, yeah, we, I think we, uh, I think season three. I think we'll be seeing more of him in season I, three. I hope so. I, I like him, and, and I. And but I will say though, just to pay off a conversation we had in the previous episode, you notice like when they. I don't know if you watch like at the beginning where they do kind of do the previous previously on the boys or whatever, um, but they showed the part where he said, "You know, we're living under a." pawn shop in east flatbush remember i pointed that out i said that's gonna yeah yeah come into play later you know yeah for sure did that specifically that had to be because like we yeah we knew that she was gonna i mean it was telegraphed there's no doubt about that that several episodes ago you knew that somehow she was gonna get separated from the boy and was gonna need the boys to do something about it so so again it was uh 
you know, it was not unexpected. It was not a big shock that that's where it went in this episode. But at the same time, it, uh, but it, you know, they, they did it all right. Again, I, you know, my bitch was just more of the fact of, you know, at that point in the episode, and even in the season, there had been no explanation that she had had any previous training. Um, so again, they cleaned that up nicely with the with the quick conversation with Billy later about uh, the gun range at, at Fort Bragg or whatever. Um, so you know, I'm comfortable with it, but it's uh, but yeah, I was uh, you know again, it it, it worked out fine. So at the safe house, Huey is trying to kind of talk everybody out of the kind of just going full out against all the soups. You know, they all just want to go kill everybody. And Huey's kind of trying to do the sensible thing again. And, you know, he ends up, you know, basically he and Annie set off to go convince uh, Queen Maeve to testify because they've basically lost, you know, well, they lost Vogelbaum and, you know, they really don't have. And Lamplighter fried himself. And Lamplighter, correct. And then, you know, Annie can't really testify because she's wanted, you know, basically she has no credibility at this point. Um, So they go off to see Maeve, who is completely uninterested. And, you know, Maeve's really taken the, Elena thing pretty hard. She's gone to a pretty dark place at this point. Yeah, and I and I I definitely got the impression, you know, especially being, you know, something that's written by or, you know, uh, tied to Seth Rogen. I uh you know, I, I definitely thought she was vaping some cannabis, but you know, I'm glad that they when they went and sh- saw her at her place, you know, there was a the bong on the table and stuff like that, like fully established that, you know, she was, you know, and she was smoking a cigarette too. So it's not like it was only cannabis, but the, uh, but yeah, I, I was, uh, I was glad to see that they acknowledged that, that she was, I don't feel like the glass pipes are a good idea for queen Maeve though. She doesn't seem to have a ton of control over her strength. Yeah. She's a, she's a bit, uh, she's a bit passionate. She probably goes few goes through a few of those, um, but yeah. So she's not really having it. She's just you know really kind of broken at this point. You know her spirit's kind of broken, and she says, you know, nothing is ever going to change. Nothing ever changes. This is just how it is. You got to deal with it. Right. Take your twink and get out of here. <laughs> yeah. For <Poor> Yui. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> He is. I mean, he's a he is a twink, though. I mean, he he's a heartfelt and caring twink, but he's a yeah. That's that that was yeah, not. Yeah, you just feel bad for the guy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and then after they leave, you know, Huey kind of opens up to Annie about his mom because she assumed that his mom was. Dead. I assumed his mom was dead as well. I didn't, you know, throughout this, but it turns out that she basically just up and left them. You know, and that's where his, like, Billy Joel, you know, that was like a thing that they shared in common. And, you know, really kind of a sweet bonding moment between them. But, you know, it also opened the door for, you know, I know you've had some speculation about, you know, maybe Huey's got some latent abilities or something. And, 
you know, there's obviously this kind of mystery around his mom, you know, when, if, if a dad, and this is a, you know, perhaps a, a, a horrible generalization, but if a dad leaves the family, it's one kind of, you know, kind of thing going on there. But if a mom leaves her kids, that's like a different kind of level of abandonment. Would you agree? Yes. I mean, you know, certainly in the society we live in, that would that would shake a kid to his very core because it is a it's a less common thing. Um, well, and I mean, it's a it's a more it's a different kind of thing wrong with that mother. There's something else going on there. You know what I mean? Because that's a harder bond just chemically, you know, to break. Well, certainly from the you would think from the mother's perspective you know because right, again, because right. of the like you said the carrying her carrying the baby in utero for nine months or whatever but the uh but i think that there's also a you know where i would agree whole, agree wholeheartedly is that i i you know and being a father that loves his son with all his heart and i know you love your children with all your heart the there's still nothing like the unrequited, you know, the the unconditional love of a mother is different than the unconditional love of a father. I think that there is a, you know, and maybe because of the chemical that are exchanged, you know, the the biology that happens during that pregnancy. I mean, it's. Like we talk, I think we've actually even talked about it in an earlier episode. There's an actual, you know, a woman is changed forever after she has had a pregnancy, you know, and so there's a shared, you know, experience there that that is a deep bonding thing, and uh, and yeah, I. I, I so, so I guess my point that I'm trying to all, get at... All that was just... To, yeah, I was, I was just pointing it out just to say that, you know, that definitely seems like, you know, that combined with the fact that we saw how Huey's dad is just really, truly, you know, joyless and just, you know, seriously has been very hurt that, you know, it just kind of makes you wonder if maybe it will tie into everything that's, that's going on now. Well... Yeah, I mean, again, what I was going to say is that for an, a deeper understanding of Huey and his psychology, the idea of your mother leaving you is more damaging than your father leaving you in, in, in certain ways, or, right. or, or specifically for his character. I'm not even making that as a generalization. I'm saying Huey specifically. But... Absolutely, it ties into my theory more because, like, just the idea of, let's say, he was a Vought, you know, he was a Vought baby, and it didn't take, or they, they're under the impression that it didn't take. Well, you know, the father strikes me as somebody that would be gung-ho and want that to happen, but then if it didn't, you know, he would just be like, oh, okay, well, I just ended up getting a dud. I got a regular kid. We'll just sit on the couch and watch TV or whatever. And maybe that, maybe the mom wanted nothing to do with it. And, 
you know, she basically purposely made it so he it was latent or, or, or didn't take and then had to go on the run. You know, I mean, I certainly think that if we meet her in this next season or down the road, you know, she won't just have left, though there will be a deep reason behind why she left. Like, like yeah. I always think of when I think of a mom leaving, I can't help myself, but I always think of uh, Happy Gilmore. You know, when the mom got sick yeah. of how much the dad liked <laughs> hockey. And then she moved to Egypt where there's no hockey arena for, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, like, it wasn't like, I, I don't see it being where she was like a selfish woman that just didn't want the responsibility or didn't want the, you know, that was just not the life that she sought and she wanted and she wanted to break away and have something different. I, I feel like... You know, if she's still alive and, you know, we end up meeting her down the road, I think there will be a deeper reason why it was a necessity that she leave. You know what I'm saying? Well, so, mu- so much of this show is about, you know, mothers and sons and fathers and sons. And, you know, I just feel like that's going to, you know, somehow pay off at some point. And, you know, I may be way off, but, you know, it's just I think that that will be addressed at some point. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, while they're having this, this heartfelt conversation, all of a sudden a train, you know, pops in and, uh, freaks Huey out. I mean, he's still after everything that's, that he's done himself and has been through, he's still fucking terrified of a train. Um, yeah. I love that. But, that was, that was a great little scene. That was, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's nice to see that he's still on edge with like the guy that started it all. I mean, he stared down, you know, Homelander at this point, but like a train still gets him shaken. Yeah. Well, he's, st- you know, it's it, at the end of the day, he's the one that started him on his journey, you know, for better mm-hmm. or for worse. And yeah. And I like that. Cause that, you know, a train's always, he's, he's, I was very concerned, you know, because he had done a bunch of wrong things for the wrong reasons, I didn't really ever want him to be fully redeemable. But what they've done is they've not redeemed him really in any way, but they've made him so much deeper on levels that then there's at least an understanding of motivations. So... Right. It creates this great character. And, you know, obviously, like, the kind of joking about the, you know, you know, I can cover the burrow and, you know, whatever, a couple minutes, and, you know, I just looked for you guys. And, um, you know, and Hugh's immediate thing is, like, I saved you. And, like, that, just that whole exchange, you know, like, it had tension, it had comedy, it had, you know, it, it, it I, I really, I, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, as uh, if A Train, well, you know, we'll talk about it later. But when he uh, now that he's going to be back in the fold, it's uh, th- there's a lot of stuff that I think is still left on the table to happen between uh, A Train and Huey. So I'm I'm excited. Yeah, you know, but at the same time, it kind of ties up like you know the loose end of this basically this standoff between the two of them you know i mean they know stuff about each other you know him and starlight and everything and um you know but essentially at this point a train's just bringing them information 
about Stormfront, all the dirt on her, you know, he, he, uh, um, turns out we, we find out later, you know, that he got it from the, from the church is basically where he acquired it. But, uh, it's basically enough to bring her down, which, you know, they question why he's giving it to them, but, you know, essentially it's like, that's his way back in. He's got to take, he's got to take down the Nazi for him to be able to get back into the seven. Right, right, yeah. No, it was perfect. I, like, again, like I said, not only, you know, did I just really enjoy how they played that scene and the interaction just in the moment between the characters, but yeah, it was a perfect, uh, you know, plot device as far as, yeah. uh, you know, not only getting him uh, getting him back in, but yeah, you know, there's got to be, uh, um, you know, at this per- point, you really kind of felt like, Stormfront was in the catbird seat and just could, you know, was, you know, she was playing everybody else and, you know, somebody had to hit her where, where it hurt. And that was the perfect way to do it. So, yeah. Um, so we see, uh, the church of collect, uh, Mr. Adana meeting with, uh, Stan Edgar and kind of discussing, you know, basically negotiating, getting the deep and a train back in, and um, Edgar agrees to let deep back in, but not a train, just because it'll make them look weak if they let two people back in or whatever. Um, but they start to discuss Stormfront and like the whole, you know, why would you know he kind of plays dumb a little bit? Why wouldn't she want a train back in? Um, what I found interesting in this is like, and I think it's probably the point of it is that all of these horrible people, they still don't really condone Stormfront. Like all of the villain, you know, the worst villains in the show are still like very much like put off by her racism and, you know, are only, you know, working with her as a means to an end or if they have to, you know what I mean? Right, because that's a special kind of piece of shit, you know. Because right. like, like no matter how hateful you are because of like jilted loves or money or power or like all these different awful, mo- <clears throat> excuse me, awful motivations to do horrible things, the ideology of of being a Nazi, you know, being a racist is just that's just a whole nother level of disgusting you know i mean and and i i don't think it was in that scene but there's like a later scene with uh where you basically find out that that um the original founder of the of the church was uh you know quite the racist himself you know um you know which i don't know if they meant to do this but like or if this is what that was supposed to allude to but like you know, the Nazis really took a lot of their cues about the persecution of the Jews from the Jim Crow laws of, of the United States. Hmm. So, I mean, it, there's there's historical ties to 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 that kind of overlap. So I I, I like the. You know, and again, they never got deeper into it. So, uh, you know, I don't know what they were really doing about it. But, like, you know, there was, uh, um, 
um, you know, when it talked about Stormfront being part of the church early on, you know, yeah, you know, I, I, it was interesting. I mean, that's what's that, that was one of the thoughts that went through my mind is I wonder if they were, you know, kind of just tipping their hat to that if, or, you know. So while we're on the Nazi train here, let's skip over and, and talk about, um, Stormfront and Homelander. Um, they, well, earlier they're having a conversation where they're both kind of, you know, they're trying to figure out who the, the head popper is. And they kind of suspect that it's Edgar, that he's at least behind it and making it happen. Um, but then they go to see Ryan, who is getting babysat by uh, Ashley, who is just, you know, her hair is still falling out and just, you know, cannot, she just cannot handle her life right now. But, uh, you know, Ryan's just feeling sad and missing his mom and, you know, they want to kind of distract him from that so they take him to planet vaught um you know which is pretty cool you know it's kind of cool to see at first you know like everybody reacting to homelander there and you know he's into it like ryan's kind of digging it a little bit and you know starting to say oh geez all these people you know i mean they're stuffed animals of of my dad you know plush plush homelanders and stuff but then just all the stimulation kind of overwhelms him, you know, probably like it would any kid, but especially a kid that has heightened senses. But, you know, I didn't get the sense that it was, it was even that so much as it was just, you know, almost just like the anxiety that, that any kid would have, but they basically get him out of there. Um, and I just really liked Homelander in this whole scene because you got to see, you know, he actually showed some humanity through all this, and he actually seemed like a dad who, you know, as much of a piece of a shit piece of shit as he is, you know, he's trying to care about this kid and trying to, you know, at least protect him from some of the stuff that he had to suffer from growing up. Yeah, I mean, I definitely took from that, you know, obviously because he has superpowers, you know, everything's always a little enhanced for the boy, but yeah, I mean, he's lived a completely sheltered life with basically he and his mother. So all of a sudden to be, you know, jostled around in the crowd and, you know, no one knows who he is. So he's just getting, you know, pushed off to the side and stuff. And not that, you know, he was, um, upset by that, but yeah, the overstimulation I felt like was just basically, you know, not being used to being in a crowd and all of a sudden being in a crowd. And I like that, that Homelanders, you know, moved to extract him from the situation because I think that was, well, it kind of did two things for me. One, it set up some later scenes that, you know, you needed to feel like he was being more invested in, trying to have a relationship with his son. Um, and then it also just reinforced the idea that, you know, ultimately we are all responsible for our actions. So I don't say this to forgive or to excuse any of the awful things that he's done. But I, I live my life by the rule that absolutely hurt people hurt people. And this dude has been hurt a lot. And again, 
that doesn't mean that he's now allowed to like, you know, let a plane of innocent people go down without at least trying to save some. It's not, you know, there's like none of that forgives the awful selfishness of Homelander. But yeah, for that glimmer of a second, you know, it was the idea of, you know, maybe I can, you know, shield him from at least some of the experiences I had early on. Um, yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't see yeah. it as, you know, I almost see it as Homelander saw himself in in him, not so much that he was doing it purely based on, I just love my son and I want to protect him. I think that... Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it was so much that. I think I, I think that he just was really, you know, I th- I think he really showed that there is some humanity in him. You know, he even like, you know, like how he he admitted that he cries. You know, and then he still was like, you know, but I'm a man, so I don't do it for very long. You know, so he still, you know, he still was his asshole self in there. You know, a little bit, but yeah, um, I think I think he actually said I haven't done it in a long time. I'm an adult, so I, I haven't done it in a long time. Oh yeah, I thought he said we don't do it for very long, but um, but uh, you know, so he's kind of telling Ryan that you know he was afraid. You know, he he didn't just embrace his powers right away. It took him time, and he didn't even really have help but that he can help him you know learn how to do it and ryan kind of warms up to that idea but you know immediately when they start to do it stormfront kind of spins the whole conversation into this you know white genocide bullshit but i loved it because even homelander's kind of looking at her at that point like okay that's you know i mean i'm a i'm a stone cold killer and that's some horrifying shit that you just said you know, he just he just doesn't really believe her uh, rhetoric. Right, she's an evil piece of shit. He's he is he's a bad guy. I mean, Homelander's yeah. a bad guy. Stormfront's an evil piece of garbage. And yeah. and and there is a difference. I mean, it's like you know, like in any good, you know, let's say Marvel or DC or you know any of the you know prototypical superhero stories you know there was there's a there's a you know an honor amongst thieves if you will you know the rogues gallery has some i mean like you know in our other podcast uh back issues you know the the uh final crisis that we did you know where we reviewed that you know there's a there's such great scenes in in that series of uh you know the 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 rogues, the bad guys, doing you know what they're doing on their downtime. You know, so there there are, you know, at least human aspects to, you know, how they're living their lives when they're not pulling off you know crimes or doing the things, you know, that they do. Whereas you know, uh, you know, so you can associate that with more of like a Homelander. You know, whereas. Again, Stormfront, you know, the just the idea of, you know, because, you know, I think that sometimes people in in our world, 
in the present moment use the term racism when they're really talking about prejudice. Whereas Stormfront is a fucking piece of garbage racist. I mean, she thinks that people of other races are subhuman. They're not, you know, they're not, you know, there's a difference. So, like, I'm very glad that they kind of kept beating that drum with her because you really needed to understand just where she was coming from and just what an ideologue she was and how wrong she was. So, yeah, so I I, I did, you know, I like that. And I, and I liked, again, um, like you said, uh, you know, Anthony Starr or Anthony, I don't know how, you know, I know there's not an H in his, the spelling of his name, but, um, I'm not sure of the exact pronunciation, but he, uh, you know, he's just nailed the character because there is that, you know, I mean, obviously he's warm to this woman and he's, you know, he's, you know, shares some ideas that she shares, but like, yeah, I mean, she's just like, you know, once she starts going to the white genocide thing, it's just like, oh my God, you're, you're a crazy bitch. So. Okay, so meanwhile, Becca is able to find the safe house. She's kind of arguing <laughs> to get in there. They, they won't let her in, but, uh, you know, Billy Butcher comes up and and uh, and finds her. And I, I, I thought it was interesting. Like, what was up with, like, the boys, like, everybody just being so enamored with her? Well, because that's after, you know, they basically are talking. They well, is maybe he's just. Well, I was trying to think of like when he goes to see Edgar, but I guess he do, he goes a little bit later to see Edgar, so he just must yeah, he be goes out. after all that. Right. But like just he, he just the, must they're be out also of the just what just it is like, is because just smitten with her because she is the, because he is capable of fucking any of them over as much as he might you know, say that they're, you know, that, you know, he depends on or, or has the back of, let's say, M.M. or Frenchie. At the end of the day, if push came to shove, he'd fucking kill them too. There is nobody on this earth that Billy Butcher gives a shit about except for Becca Butcher. So they're, that's why they're enamored with her. The, the idea that this is the one this hard motherfucker that's willing to do anything to anyone, including them, this is the one person that he would do anything for. And and yeah. that's why they're... I mean, that's what I took it from it. So... Yeah. You know, it wasn't that they were... You know, and, and plus, I'm sure that, you know, over the years of the missions and the different things, you know, they've just heard so much about her that they... Yeah, they, she's like legendary, you know? right? So, so the the meeting a, a legend is is in and of itself, you know, pretty. Uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, like awe inspiring. But I I took the, I think you nailed it. The word enamored. I think the reason that was is because this is the only per. You know, again, this is the only person that could make Billy do anything other than whatever the fuck he wanted. <laughs> so. Right. Right. 
So that's how. So I he. Take it. So after you know they they hang out for a little bit and then he goes and meets with Stan Edgar and essentially cuts a deal with him to get the location from him and then he'll turn over Ryan as soon as he he gets him. Uh, he'll turn him over to Vaught. Um. And then you know he goes back and basically tells everybody that he's just you know doing it on his own, but they kind of. You know, Eminem's like, you know, lick my black balls or something like that. You know, yeah. Something just really over the top. You know, they're just not going to let it. You know, basically the sentiment is after everything that we've done, you know, you're going to like just go it alone, you know, for this very last part or whatever. But, uh, you know, they all in, insist on going. And then, you know, well, Becca, just well, go ahead. I was just going to say, because that was important. I mean, first of all, that was funny. Because, yeah, I think he said something like, lick my big black balls. <laughs> I mean, I just love M.M. I mean, he's just yeah fantastic. I love all the boys, including Kamiko. Um, yeah. But, the, uh, uh, but yeah, I think he says it in, pretty much in so many words. He's like, you know, all the shit that we've done, all the just nasty dirty deeds that we've had to do to go through this that we finally have a chance to do something good like an altruistic mission where we're going to save a fucking kid and do it for the right reason you're gonna bench us Uh uh-uh not gonna happen so yeah i i that's what or again i I don't remember the exact verbiage that they use but i'm pretty sure that was you know that's what i took from it yeah, totally. Yeah, that was that that was the sentiment for sure. And then, you know, Becca pretty much puts him on the spot and says, you know, you have to promise me to protect Ryan and to get him out of there. And, you know, she basically puts him in a position where obviously there's no way he's going to be able to, you know, follow through on his deal with with Stan Edgar, but, you know, the good thing is he already has he already has the information. You know, he's already gotten Edgar's side of the deal um so yeah and that was that was I I love that scene because again I mean knowing what he's already committed to you know so the depth of that exchange is really you know uh, it moved me in and of itself but that was also where they talk about you know her saying that she was better on the range than he was so at least that that Again, cleaned up the fact that she she did actually have the training to have escaped that compound um, right. where her and Ryan had been staying. So that was uh, so yeah, that was an important well, and, scene. and not only did it explain and justify that, but you know they needed to do it because if she didn't have that training, there's no way he was going to let her. I mean, he already didn't want to let her come on on this task that they're about to do, but. Um, you know, obviously right. he does let her come. Um, but, um, you know, basically they have a plan to draw out store, Stormfront with the social media. So, like, Huey and Annie are kind of on the computers dropping all this, you know, pictures with, you know, Hitler. <laughs> you know, just all this crazy stuff just tying Stormfront to the Nazi party. And... You know, like she's during the time she's with Homelander and Ryan, all of a sudden her phone starts blowing up and that kind of draws her, you know, I guess at that point she's heading to, 
you know, Vought Tower, or I don't know where she's actually heading, but she just takes off. But um, then they draw Homelander out with, you know, Frenchie figures out a frequency that he's going to be able to hear that's going to be, you know, painful to him, or at least irritating to him, and they set up, like, Bluetooth speakers in the woods. So basically they get them away from the house to uh, open it up for them to go grab Ryan. Yeah, yeah, that was great. I love the little meme with her, you know, marching down as a Nazi down the street, and uh, yeah, it's got like a little jingle and everything to it, and yeah, well, it's so accurate too because when stuff hits the news, there's memes and stuff about it like instantly. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, I don't know how different. people create stuff so fast. Yeah, it was handled really well. I like that, you know. Yeah. Um. So they storm into the cabin, they get Ryan, you know, Becca's there, obviously, so, you know, he's he's willing to come. He's a little kind of freaked out by Butcher a little bit, but she's like, that's my husband, you know, which mm-hmm. I like that. I like that she said, she said it like that to build the trust, because, I don't know, you see all the time when it's like, you know, oh, he's, he's, a, fr- he's a friend, he's here to help us or whatever, instead of just being honest with the kid, that's my husband. Yeah, I did. I actually, I'm glad you said that because that's, I did, I, I, I thought it was important that that was the choice of words. So, yes, I agree. So, they get out of there and then, you know, obviously the plan that they thought, the boys thought was happening was one thing. But, you know, Butcher calls an audible and asks M.M. to take Becca and Ryan to meet with meet with Mallory and kind of he explains the whole thing you know he, he explains the whole thing to Becca that you know he made the deal but that he couldn't do it and you know again it's one of those things where I think in, in a typical TV or movie trope you know we would have had to spend a big chunk of time with Becca being so pissed and hurt that he made that deal but that doesn't really happen. She's kind of just like, well, you didn't do it. You didn't make the, you made the deal, but you didn't follow through on it. So we want to be with you. You know, I don't want to go somewhere without you. Yeah. I loved it. I loved that, that exactly what you're saying. And then I love just the, him coming back with the, you've got to let me do this. You've got to, you know, this is, you've got to go with MM and you, you know, this is my, you know, chance to do this right. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was very moving. It was very, uh, very well played. So meanwhile, back at the cabin, Homelander's in there, you know, shake it. Well, cause first of all, the, security shows up at the cabin. Yeah. You know, they're like, because they're, like they're, they're looking for, they're like yeah, they got the call, you know, they're, they're just following through on the plan as it stood. And, you know, then Homelander shows up. Here you guys say butcher, <laughs> whatever. So now he knows that that something's going on, and you know they show the cell phone sitting there that he made the call and stuff. But uh, yeah, the content bot. Ho- yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. Um, and Homelander has very good interrogation techniques. You know, enhanced interrogation, you'd probably <laughs> call it. But. Uh, it just gruesomely just lasers the one dude, you know, right down the middle. Um, and then, I mean, by the time he gets out of there, it looks like he pretty much, you know, brutally murdered all of them. He's covered in blood when he ends up strolling out of there. 
later in the episode. Oh yeah, like it, part of his hair is even slicked back, and like it, it wasn't just yeah. splatter. It was like yeah, there, it was a it was a bloodbath. So yeah, yeah. Um. So. Um. Mm takes off with the family with Becca and Ryan, and Stormfront comes back. Stormfront shows up, you know, basically takes out the, you know, rolls over the car. So Butcher ends up just fleeing for the woods with Becca and Ryan. Like they're still, they had barely gotten away from where Butcher was. So um, he just runs over there and gets them out and takes off to the woods. And then kind of the, the fight goes down. Oh <laughs> Stand man. Stand up with Stormfront, oh, which was awesome. just a crazy, just a crazy sequence because, you know, I mean, the, the interesting thing about this show is they haven't, like really gotten real specific about you know what the extent of everybody's abilities are so you really don't know like you know what their chances of taking down stormfront are at this point but you know i mean starlight's powers are you know kind of distract her and stuff and kind of make openings but i just love the way they you know, it almost seemed realistic, and it ended up, like, a lot more scrappy than you would think in a superhero fight. It was a lot more hand-to-hand combat and stuff, especially with Kamiko, obviously. But, um, you know, at one point, they're just beating the shit out of her. <laughs> oh, I loved it. I mean, it was, you know, because everybody, for the most part, besides Star Starlight and, uh, and uh, Stormfront are very, they have almost direct parallels in either DC or Marvel. I mean, Kamiko is is absolutely Wolverine without the claws. Um, right. You know, obviously Maeve is uh, Wonder Woman. You got Superman, you got Flash, you got Aquaman, you know. Um, so, yeah, it was just, it was... Uh, you know the the wild cards, if you will, are are Starlight and uh, and uh, and Stormfront. But I just yeah, I love the physicality of just getting up close. And it wasn't like you know, obviously, um, like you said, you know, Starlight basically more used her power just as a distraction to to get them close enough to 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 get physical. And then Storm um, Stormfront used hers more as like when she was. You know, you know before before it really got going, more defensive almost, yes. like just to get people off of her. Right, correct. Um, so most of the di- you know when some, when people were you know actually doing damage, it was almost exclusively hand to hand. Yeah. So uh, so yeah. So once uh, once basically you know they're kind of scrapping back and forth, and they. Uh, she she snaps Kamiko's neck. Stormfront snaps right. Kamiko's neck, knocks out uh, knocks out Starlight, and then basically Frenchie and them are like, uh, you know, just unloading bullets, and they're having no effect. And uh, it's doing nothing, yeah. And uh, I think that's when you know basically uh, Starlight kind of comes back a little bit and tries to you know get back involved and she's really gets kind of swatted aside again. And then Frenchie and Huey, uh, you know, are like our only chance is to go for the, you know, that, that, uh, rocket launcher that he had made. 
And uh, yeah, he made like an EMP on it that was right. You know, he had figured out would be the best thing to excuse me to neutralize Stormfront's powers. Right, and then she just went ahead and blew up the whole you know shed or the whole garage thing that they were <laughs> literally after Frenchie says it's our only chance right, and then right. just explosion <laughs> um, so you know so basically you know you're just you know looking at it like oh no you know oh, you know they're at, at the end of their rope and uh um Kamiko's laying there still with the snap neck uh Stormfront moves in grabs uh Starlight's neck and, uh, um, or no, that, no, that's, that's later. That's a little different later. But the, uh, but then no, I think she does then too. And that's when Maeve, that's shows when Maeve up. steps in. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then, you know, Kamiko's able to kind of recover as well, you know, with the, the time she's bought her and stuff. And then just the full on ass oh, whooping ensues. Taking the boots to her, man. I mean, just, <laughs> you know, I am not a a fan of like the piling on style like that. But uh, when it's a Nazi, though. Absolutely, baby. There are, <laughs> when, there it's are, a, when it's a super-powered Nazi. There are a few people in this world that deserve the boots, and they and she deserves the boots. And they're For just sure. Like, and then I love... And then the best is Frenchie. Yeah. I guess girls really do get it done. <laughs> that was my favorite line of the whole show. Whole episode. Oh, was so great. Oh, that was great. Yeah, you're right. And then uh, basically, you know, she's. And getting... then they're just beating her so bad, she just flies away. Yep. She just gets, you know, is able to slip away. Um, and then really, the next time we see her, she, I mean, she recovers fast because she basically finds uh, Billy Butcher and, and Becca and, and confronts them. And that's when she goes full, you know. I like to see the lights go out. Yeah, look at <laughs> you know, look at me. That. Look at me. Yeah, she's just like just sick. But uh, yeah, so she's choking back out. Um, and this was a thing. It's like you know, it just goes to show, like even Starlight and I mean, how much stronger they are just in the hand to hand because she's holding up Becca and holding her, and Billy Butcher's literally going full force just beating her in the back with a crowbar and stormfront's not even flinching yep you know um so he's trying to do that she's just choking out you know ryan's just like begging her to stop and then you know when he was trying when homelander earlier in the episode was trying to teach him to use his laser eyes he he was saying like think about someone you hate you know and ryan's like i don't hate anybody (laughs) And, I have to put you know, a quarter in the jar. Sweet. He's like, so, <laughs> exactly. He's so pure, um, but he figured out someone to hate because his his, uh, his laser eyes fired up. It just kind of you know flash a light, and then it just cuts to you know kind of Stormfront just fried on the ground. Ryan freaking out, apologizing. Um, so what'd you think of Crispy Stormfront? pretty satisfying or pretty satisfying yeah yeah very satisfying you know she's basically lost it well it was very reminiscent of uh um anakin skywalker at the end of uh oh totally totally so uh because becca which i fully expect will be 
you know, because they say at the end that she's being held, you know, I don't think that that is just Vought propaganda. I think, I mean... Yeah, she survived. Yeah, she definitely survived. Yeah, but she's basically mumbling in German, you know, like... Uh, right. She's she's all fried up, uh, you know, uh, missing arms and legs. And uh, um, I think it was Becca that got the, the shot in with the knife, and so basically she's missing an eye as well. Um, yeah. And, uh, and as, uh, you know, as Billy's coming to, he, uh, he sees that, uh, that Becca's, uh, you know, sustained some damage to the neck and is basically bleeding out. And, um, and yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, she's basically like, he's a good boy, you know, take care of him. You know, it's not your fault. It's not his fault, you know, whatever. And, you know, I definitely got the impression Billy was going to take him down. You know, was going to try to... Oh, he sure looked like he was. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the look he was giving him. Yep. Which, you know, was unfortunate. I didn't want him to... I didn't like that. Like, I didn't want, want to believe that he would have just, you know, taken him out right after his dying wife just, you know, begged him to you know, take care of him and stuff. You you wouldn't want to believe that, but right because uh, he still had the crowbar in his hand. So I was thinking perhaps maybe he'll just go and like finish off Stormfront. But yeah, I definitely got the impression that he just he had lost the one thing that he loves in yeah. this world, and he was gonna end whatever just you know caused that. So and I don't think he would have been able to, you know, number one. But uh, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that he didn't get a chance to try. Uh, Homelander shows up kind of in that moment and. You know, is just bloodied from the whole thing, and sees Stormfront there, and is just like, you know, obviously very emotional in that moment. And you know, as you said, she's kind of talking in German. And then I saw online, basically, she's she's telling a story. You know, she thinks she's talking to her husband, and she's telling a story about you know a picnic they had in the park, you know, under the apple trees with their daughter, and it was the first time their daughter had fresh apples and you know that's basically what she was saying mm-hmm. um and uh you know he kind of after he sees what's happened to her he he kind of says you know did you do this you know to Ryan and i liked how they played that moment too because he he was genuinely upset you know i i was kind of expecting them to play it with just him being so proud of his son that he was able to do that, you know, because he's such a sick fuck. But I think they made a better choice where, you know, he was just kind of like, just come on, let's go. You know, he didn't like, they didn't overplay that, which, which I appreciated. Yeah. As a matter of fact, they downplayed it because it was like, I'm not, I'm not upset. It's all right. You know, I'm going to, you know, come here, you know, it's okay. Yeah. And yeah. then, uh, as, he, as he Ryan, played it surprisingly cool. And then he starts inching over to get, you know, kind of get behind Billy, which I love that yeah. as well. And, and, uh, and yeah. And then, he, yeah. He's got and that's when Homelander starts to come unglued again. I mean, this guy's like just hanging on by a very, very thin thread. Yeah. Um, and, you know, probably in that moment would have just, you know, killed both of them or, you know, definitely that, killed kill butcher and yes i i was were you to say something i was no i was going to agree with you i think that that was he was definitely going to take out billy and i think that there was a good chance that 
you know, from what we've seen of Homelander, you know, wanting a son and have and to have a relationship with, with him is one thing. But like at this point, it's like, you know, I'm giving you I gave you the choice to come with me. You're inching behind this other dude. I'm going to take him out and I'm going to take you out. I'm done with this. Like, right. I, I, I it would not have if he would have been given the chance. I, I think that he may very well have ended his son as well. Yes, because it's not his son choosing his mother over him. It's his son choosing his mother's husband, who he doesn't even know, well, it's, over him. So that's just and, like a and more, ec- extra blow. Well, and more pointedly, it's him not choosing him. Right. It didn't even matter if it was nobody connected to anybody. It's the fact of like, you know, I've put myself out there one more time to be crushed and hurt and, you know... Well, and you see it in his face. You see him, you know, like even before, you know, like in that moment, Maeve shows up and, you know, basically says, hey, you're going to stop this. I got this video from the plane. You know, you're going to stop, you know, uh, hunting Starlight. You're going to stop, you know, fucking with me and Elena. And you're going to just, you're going to end all of this. You know, I'm going to release this. And then no one is ever going to nobody love you will again. love you ever again, you know. Oh, and that's perfect. And you could already see that in that moment. Like that's exactly what I was thinking he was going through. Like before she showed up, like you could see it in his face. Like this is somebody who just realized that you know the one person, like, well, there was one person he thought loved him. Now she's crispy and laying in, laying in the in the grass there. And then the sun, you know, completely turning on him. This is a person who just lost, you know, everything. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Queen Maeve like hits the nail on the head there because he does still have more to lose because the world still loves him. Right. And that's the whole, and that's the, 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 it's the perfect way to handle it. Because again, that's the difference between him and Stormfront. You know, it's it's the selfishness. It's the wanting the adoration of the crowd and all that kind of stuff that has warped his mind and made him into this evildoer. But he's not. He doesn't want to genocide a whole people and things like that. You know, it's a different level of, you know, I mean, it's hateful. It's crazy. It's all those things, but it's. You know, it's 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 the love of being loved for all the wrong reasons and the power that comes with that is what is, you know, gets him off. It's not the, you know, wanting to just destroy a whole race of people or multiple races of people like, you know, it's, uh, you know, basically. It's almost like. And this is a subtle difference, but it's like the idea that, you know, uh, Homelander feels like, you know, he's special and no one's as good as him. Whereas Stormfront is special. She feels she's special and everyone is less than her. Right. So it's uh, so, yeah, I just thought, yes, it was the Maeve just. Oh, it was perfect. It was exactly, it was the only threat that would have worked, and it worked to a flipping T. It was perfect. Well, and the beautiful thing, too, was it was before everything went wrong, you know, with Maeve that sent her kind of, 
you know, into a spiral, it was her plan to begin with, you know, when she got that footage from the deep, you know, that was her whole, her whole plan was she was going to use that to take him down. But, you know, instead she ended up using it just to, I guess, maintain the status quo and to protect, you know, some people that needed protecting. But, uh, yeah, I loved it. And then we see the st- uh, press conference with Stan Edgar, you know, kind of throwing Stormfront under the bus for all of it, you know, so that Annie can be reinstated yeah. and, you know, not, not a fugitive anymore. And, um, we, as everything's kind of wrapping, you know, they do a couple like little kind of passing through to all the characters here. Like we see a train and the deep meeting with, uh, Adana, Adana and, like now it's now they're saying a trains back in the seven because you know they they need him in there you know in 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 these uh complicated times and whatnot and with the whole <laughs> yeah. anti-racist movement and stuff right um but then the deep's out so now he's pissed and he's you know he's he's being deemed a toxic person in the church now because he's Oh, lashing dude. out and stuff. But. It's the one sliver of time that in the whole season. Basically, both. It's the only time I've liked the deep in the show. Period. So far, but boy, I loved him. And that thirty seconds yeah. of going off on his ass, like you know, you. I signed over my bank accounts, and you know, <laughs> made me marry this crazy bitch that doesn't even give good blowjobs. <laughs> like it's just going on. And on. Uh, he's like, "Fuck you, Fresca sucks." So. It's like I didn't even laugh when you said the thing about us all being space spores. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was definitely. He was great, and even before that, I, I love just how he put it, like he was like so happy for for a trade. He's like, yeah, you're back in finally. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm in too, right? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that was my that was my definitely my deep moment. For sure. So. <laughs> um, so uh, Huey and Annie kind of have a conversation. You know, he, Huey's talking about how he's just gotta kind of get out of things and stand on his own know. two feet for the first time. Yeah, and I love that too because like she thinks he's like breaking up with her, and he's like, "No, I'm not stupid. Right. <laughs> I don't mean you. I don't mean you. I'm totally gonna still cling to you." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a nice scene. That was definitely I, I've 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 come to really like that those two. So Yeah. Um so uh And then it goes to MM comes back to see his little girl and Yeah, we see everybody kind of reunited with their families. Fre- and, French is gonna you know, take Kamiko dancing. Yeah, yeah. Like and uh um BB, uh, Billy Butcher is uh, sitting with Ryan, kind of waiting for Mallory, and you know, kind of has a heart to heart with him, and you know, gives him a necklace, and you know, that was that was the mom's necklace, and you know, the whole it, it'll protect you kind of thing, and you know, you see that he actually probably could have been a pretty good thing for that kid, but he's gonna go, you know, under the protection of, I guess, the CIA. At this point, but I love when he's leaving. He's like, remember what I told you? It's like, yeah, don't be a cunt. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, I like the fact that, like, not only was it, you know, did it warm the heart a little bit to see him, 
you know, because the kid was scared and he was, you know, unsure and stuff. And so to share that about, you know, his mom gave him that, um, you know, I mean, his, his, you know, Billy's wife, but, you know, Ryan's mother gave Billy that to protect him and gave him, gave it to him to protect, like, you know, where that resonated with me is the idea that like down the road, if, if there's a moment, you know, as Ryan is growing up and feels like maybe Billy, you know, uh, you know, his mother died and, and Billy would have had a chance to be there for him, but he abandoned him also. The fact of giving him that necklace just shows, I think it's just a reminder along his journey, Ryan's journey, that they're, you know, that Billy was really looking out for him. So even if, yeah. you know, even if like things go south with him, um, you know, in a good, I mean, again, the kid's old enough now where he's, you know, he has a core goodness that I don't think will be shaken, but, you know, even normal human males, you know, like we've talked about, you know, the only way to prevent crime would be to lock up all men between the ages of 16 and 24, you know, like that's, right. you know, so it's not inconceivable that things could go astray, but, you know, I think that, you know, the, the giving of the necklace, like waylays any kind of bitterness that Ryan could have had uh, towards Billy. And then, yeah. like you said, and every time he looks at the necklace, he's gonna think, "Don't be a cunt." Exactly. Well, that's what you just stole my thunder. That's exactly what I was gonna say. So then they finish it up with the, you know, reinforcing it with a funny little, you know, cunt line. So it's, uh, yeah, so perfect. Exactly. And then, uh, so Mallory got all the charges dropped at, uh, against the boys, and is actually, you know, gonna they're going to be funded, you know, to come back and, and continue, continue to fight the good fight, but like kind of funded on the down low. So hopefully that's setting up for season three. will pick up when they've already kind of well, like, you know, now they're like a more official, you know, unofficial, but official, like funded organization like here. Fully funded, but off the books. Yeah, exactly. But right I, off but, the books, but you skip past the best part of the line about the, yeah, the, all the tra- charges have been dropped, even the ones you really did. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I uh and then it basically Yeah, and the end the end of the little montage is is Homelander, you know, on top of a building looking over the city, you know, pants pants down, jerking it, just saying I can do what I want. Mm-hmm. I can do what I want. <laughs> Yeah, I totally knew that was going to happen. I mean, I, you know, as he's saying it, you know, like he, it doesn't, it shows his face. It doesn't show yeah. him at first. And then, it, but yeah, I, t- you know, you totally knew he was stroking it. And then, yeah. Yeah. He basically is on the, you know, highest point of the city, like just jerking it into the face of the city, if you will. You know, so. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens for him. He's going to need some kind of, uh, he needs somebody to love. He needs somebody to love him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the final little segment is, um, 
we see the leader of the church, Mr. Adana, talking to Congresswoman Newman. Um, and, you know, basically they're just kind of, I mean, I think he, does he say something about how that's where the information came from about Stormfront or I don't remember exactly what they discussed, but basically they're just kind of, you know, making political type negotiations and, you know, seem like allies. They're working together a little bit. Yeah. And I think, and I don't remember exactly what they said, but there was even mention of Edgar too, uh, as well. I think like basically like they, he's, he's none the wiser and, you know, like, like right, they, right. they kind of got what they and wanted. And basically he's asking her for, to, you know, to expedite the uh, tax exempt status of the church and stuff. Yep. So it's kind of just a, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours kind of conversation. And, you know, seems pretty amicable. And then they get off the phone. As soon as they hang up, boom, his head blows up. Yeah. And then... And then we see the camera kind of pan to out in front of his house, and there's Congresswoman Newman walking up there on her phone, just kind of staring in there. Her eyes kind of flare a little bit, and turns out she's the head popper. Yeah, I knew. I mean, I didn't know it was her, but I, I had a strong feeling that that was a, a distraction. The 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 gal from the uh, from uh, Sage Grove, but the. Uh, um, I loved it. The only thing I had a problem with is I wish they wouldn't have do, did the milky eyes because there was too many scenes in the hearing when heads were popping where you saw her and her eyes were never milky. So like... Well, it just flashed for a second, though. Well, but they it was like... It was very much like uh, heroes, like... Uh, how uh, the one guy would go milky. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. so I just wish they no, would have done... I see what you're saying. I, I wish think, they would have just I done, like, maybe she... had to do it. Maybe she touched her temple, or... I wish they would have done some other, like, physical way of conveying that she was the head power. Oh, you wanted her to do a Grunberg? Well, fuck, anybody. I mean, a, a baby in a crib could do a better acting job than that tool. So, yeah, I mean, whatever. But anything that, you know... Something that would be so obvious, like her eyes doing that, would have been picked up on by somebody in that room, in that Senate or, you know, whatever the that hearing room was. So, again, I just wish it would have. Well, but remember, though, too, it it, it that may be not like directly related, though, because like when that happened, when we were watching that happen, she wasn't popping. She wasn't using her power in that moment. You know what I mean? So maybe it's not like, maybe that's not an indication that she's imploding someone's skull. You know, she had already done it at that point. I didn't care for it. I wish they would not <laughs> have chose that physical, you know, that visual effect to to convey, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, yeah. again, in the grand scheme of things. That may even be a little nitpicky because, like I said, it was a great episode, a great, great final episode for the season, and and that certainly, you know, got you charged up for what you know this woman obviously has been pulling strings. I mean, talk about a, you know, somebody earlier had talked about a potential coup. I mean, this yeah. woman is, you know, working on extra levels that no one's aware of so i'm i'm totally down with that i just 
again, it's just little things. I mean, between the two of us, think of the sheer hours of, you know, comics and television and film and all the superhero genre stuff that we've done. And I just thought that was very tropey and very, like, I, I just, I wish they would have chose a different visual tell. Yeah. For her, it was lazy. It was definitely lazy. I I will take it though over like if they had done nothing, and then it would have kind of left that question. If I'm glad that they made it clear that she physically did that to him, you know what I mean? Well, that's and why they I did it in a very very lazy way. But I'm glad they at least wrap that up because then we see at the end yes. you know Huey part of his stand on his own two feet plan is to go ask Congresswoman Newman for a job so now he's going to be working like probably her it looked like you know she was working on her re-election campaign or whatever that looked like the like a campaign office kind of thing so well they um, she said that uh that's his new gig when she was talking to uh the leader of the church, she said something about they've put me in charge of something. So it's something that she's right. She's like the liaison. Like she's, you know, kind of, she basically is overseeing the committee that is giving the boys their funding, basically. Right. Coupled with the fact that she's doing, you know, it's, it's like the overseeing of the soups as well. Right. So it's, exactly. So so uh, she's like in the perfect position for right. whatever it is her plan is. Right. And as Huey says, you know, hey, I just thought you know it'd be, uh, you know, I basically like a job. And before she, I want to take down Vought the right way. You know. Right. And before she even shuts the door to like basically discuss what he's going to do, she she asks him, is he in communication with the uh, with the rest of the guys and she the rest of the boys? And he's like, no, not right now. But, you know, yeah, yes, it's uh, it's it's a I I like the tip of the hand of the big bad for next. You know, obviously there'll be more to it than just her. But like that was I, I like that again, like we talked about earlier with the scene with, you know, Billy and Becca and stuff. This this series has done a good job about not, you know, completely cliffhangering or or dragging out stuff to the point of where it you know makes it too um you know too weighty or i can't think of the right way to phrase it but it's uh i like that i like that we're looking we're going to be thinking this whole off season on you know what does she have the potential you know what is she thinking and where is she going with her machinations so it's like uh yeah, right. totally dig it. Totally dig it. All right. So, yeah, next season we have, we, they've already uh, announced the character Soldier Boy is going to be a big part of season three. Um, so that'll be interesting. He's kind of their, their Captain America. Mm. Um, so we'll see where that figures in. So it'll be interesting to see if that's going to be, because apparently from what I've, scene it's a character that's supposed to be you know as ruthless as homelander so i don't know where they're going with it's it's very hard to gauge what what newman's uh motivations are here you know is it to just kind of usurp the seven basically and have 
you know, her own soups there, or is she, you know, just wants there to be no soups, you know, because the less of them, you know, the less, you know, opposition she would have. I don't know. It'd well, be interesting to see. Right, because you could go, like, obviously this was very much revolving around nationalistic themes, where you could go, you know, totally more, like, fascistic themes with, uh, right. you know, under the guise of, of a, you know, a patriot and stuff. But the... uh it's interesting. Yeah, I wonder if uh, they'll cast another Kiwi as a uh, American. Um, no, they already cast it. It's uh, Jensen Eccles is playing it, the guy from Supernatural. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, he did. Uh, I mean, he's done great voice work as the as uh, the Red Hood and stuff. But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it'll be good. Yeah, and he's got—I I mean, Eric Kripke, who is the showrunner of The Boys, was the showrunner, I think, at least most recently on Supernatural, or they have history together and stuff. So, I like it. I like—I cool. like having a character like that introduced. You know, number one. Um, but uh, I, I also really like that actor. I like him a lot. I like that actor a lot. As a matter of fact, I was a diehard. In the early seasons of Supernatural, man, I was a I was fully into that until they, once they fully brought in like the angels, like, uh, and stuff. I just was they lost me. I mean that again. It's yeah, I didn't watch it. I never got into that, but I liked him on Smallville. He was on Smallville for a couple seasons. Oh man, in the early the early episodes where it was, uh, you know, it was a little more monster of the week style. Um, mm-hmm. It was. Uh, Oh my goodness! There's some good episodes. There's this one episode, uh, the mystery spot is like one of my favorite, like you know, of that series and really of any of those type of series. It's it's. But anyway, I really like that actor. So yes, I could. Uh, um. Yeah, I can buy him as something like that. Yeah, that's I'm down. Yeah, I'm so that bodes sure. well for season three. We lost we lost a lot of people this season, but uh, I think. I think the key survivors, you know, we definitely didn't want to lose any of the boys. And then, uh, you know, obviously Homelander. A little disappointed to see no uh, Black Noir because he was he was uh, recovering from the tree nut incident still yeah. in the finale. So hopefully in the next season we'll get a lot more Black Noir. Yeah, I'll be interested because, uh, you know, they were concerned that, that he may be brain dead. Or not brain dead, but... Um... You know that his brain function may not be. You know, he he was in a vegetative vegetative state. I think they said or something to that effect. So, um, you know, so you could do different things with that as well. You know, where someone that's someone whose body is unstoppable. You know, um, yeah. Anyway, that's just thinking of different potential but yeah there's a lot of ways they can go with a lot of these characters so it's uh super exciting i'm just uh yeah i'm really it's uh it resolved very nicely and it resolved in a way that was somewhat unexpected i mean some of it i expected but some of it was a bit of a surprise and i think that most importantly where everyone and everything ended up, there are numerous paths that it can go from here. 
So I think that that's, uh, it's just a really nice spot to be in, you know, going into a third season. So, so I'm in, I'm excited. Well, we will be back on the podcast feed here. If there's any updates throughout the off season here, but in the meantime, thanks for listening and thanks for watching season two with us. We hope everybody else enjoyed it as much as we did. Um, before, be sure and check out everything else we're doing at theshaverbrothers.com. We'll be doing some after shows of some of your other favorite shows and you know all kinds of other stuff. Check out Back Issues Podcast where we talk about the greatest comic book stories ever told. And uh, just follow us on all the social media. So until we meet again, my name's Toby Shaver. I'm Shavy D. Thank you so much for listening. Peace. Peace.